You're listening to Grassroots, www.innovationstudios.com. I am Marcus, and welcome to the third um, episode of Curtain Call. And I've had a lot of correspondence this week from you lovely people out there, uh, giving me lots of information about various venues that I mentioned last week. Um, looking forward to a few things, a few projects that are coming up. As things stand at the moment, um, I'm hoping, and I've got him booked in, but I'm hoping that nothing um, happens in terms of um, I don't know, lockdown and all sorts of things. You never know these days. But uh, to let you know that hopefully next Friday, if it's not next Friday, it'll be the Friday after that when it actually goes out. But next Thursday, I've got my first curtain call interview with uh, Andy Price from the Pinkies. And he's going to come and see me. We're going to talk about um, the, his career and where he is now and uh, the things he's done over the years and hopefully swap some stories and uh, have a few laughs and uh, share a beer or two. Um, so you can listen into that next week. Um, and, uh, yeah, as I said, lots of different, um, messages coming in this week, a few emails, a few inbox uh, messages on Facebook, a couple of little tweets. Um, I don't really think of myself as a twit. Um, I try, I kind of, uh, stay up there with technology, but for some reason, Twitter kind of passed me by. I kind of got stuck with Facebook messaging, but I'm, I'm learning a bit more about Twitter and about time. It's probably been there about 12 years now, isn't it? Probably done the rest. Um, Anyway, thanks for getting back to me. As I said, the, the, probably the format of this um, podcast really needs to be that I try and tell you a little bit about various venues and then swap some stories um, about um, about them or my, my experiences of them and then in, encourage you to uh, to join in. And last week, um, we uh, the, the first half of that, we caught up on our venues from the week before, the Powerhouse, the Double Six, and I've pretty much covered most of the stuff at the Double Six now, although the um, YouTube video on that will open the series um, and I'll let you know a release date for that as soon as I've got come to, come to terms with uh, editing and sorting all that I'm going to have to bring my daughter in on that who's um, who knows a little bit more about editing than I do but uh, no I'm learning I'm, I'm getting there and that should be okay but um, last week I mentioned um, the Dickens in Wickford um, share your experiences of that the Langdon Hotel um, obviously in Langdon and a big one the Grand Hotel in Leon C which no surprises was the biggest one, and that's probably going to be the, the one I come to. But the first one was talking about the Langdon Hotel. Um, I'll share your experiences of that. Some of the people sort of messaged, messaged me to, to tell me about it. Um, and some names and places you used to play there. Obviously, the usual suspects, the bands that, that, that we'd mentioned before, have all played there. Um, and uh, Terry Stewart messaged me to say he'd played there a few times in various disguises. And, of course, the Pinkies and everybody else has played there. Um but what I also found out was a few people, um, there was a singer there called Stanley Hobson who lived in Kathleen Ferrier Crescent. And Stanley was there, apparently he was a regular a singer at the Langdon Hotel. Um, and also somebody said that Mel and Kim had performed there, but that, that the sort of jury's out on that one because Mel and Kim, um, I think they were around in about 85, 86. Um, and I think the Langdon Hotel closed in about 1991 or 92. So it is possible that they might have been there. Um, but I can't find any actual sort of proof of that. So if anybody wants to, you know, because I had a couple of messages about that. If anybody wants to actually confirm that or to actually message me and say, yeah, I saw them there, you know. Um, because obviously those of us who are, who are old enough will remember that um, Mel and Kim you know, were a massive act in, in, in the 80s, uh, the Appleby sisters. Um, and, um, yeah, apparently they played a show there. It was, it was some sort of um, 
either a, a, a tryout now at night or a, or an audition night or some sort of showcase. But um, apparently, and apparently Steve Walsh, um, who was, um, I think if I remember rightly, he had a hit with a song called I Found Love with the Gap Band. I think it was the Gap Band. And, and I believe that, that there were rumours circulating that he had played there as well. Um, but I don't know. Apparently... You know, obviously, I, I can't find any confirmation of that, but um, I'm hoping against hope that you'll help me with that. Um, and if you did see them, if you got any photos or anything, let me know, because that's a big bit of history. But other people were talking to me and messaging about um, the fact that, that the Langdon Hotel was was used um, quite extensively as uh, like a coach stop by Eastern Eastern Nation or Eastern National, I think it probably would have been. Um and this is going way, way back um, to before the Dartford Tunnel was built, and um, and the Eastern coaches used to used to drive to uh, the dock there, and then you get on the ferry to go across, um, and um, so it was used for, for things like that. And also, they said that um, people people have, have, have talked to me about the fact that they used to have a thing there where they used to smash up pianos. Now I don't really know what that necessarily would entail other than obviously smashing up a piano but I don't know if that was just um, a charity thing they did or or whether it was just because sometimes it might just be that they'd got a new piano so they all decided to smash the old one up and everyone joined in and, and threw it on the fire but by all accounts um, from from what people were, were messaging and, and telling me it looked like it was kind of a, a regular or an annual occurrence where people used to smash pianos up um, and also, they, they they mentioned, a few people talked to me about the fact that there were uh, pram races, which I believe were between um, the Langdon Hotel, the um, Fortuna War, which again, the Fortuna War will probably be one of the three that I mention about um, next week. Um, and another, I think it may have been the Joker, but it was another one. Or it might have been the Crown, actually, the Crown up on the hill. But I don't, don't really see the Crown as being a music venue. So that was obviously just like... A, Either a, a, a um, just a, a charity thing, or, or may have may have been intertwined by the brewery or something like that. But yeah, apparently there was, and hope hopefully the, the piano they weren't smashing up was because of uh, Charlie, who was a piano player. He used to play there on Friday nights, and he used to um, way before, way way before karaoke and stuff like that. Um, this would have been in the sixties, and uh, Charlie used to play the piano and get people up to sing and. Um, on a on a Friday night, he had a, like a residency there. Um, so if you know anything about that, then please let me know. Um, and yeah, so they they smashed pianos up um, over Easter. Apparently, it was it was something to do with Easter smashing a piano. I really don't know um, what that was about, but um, there we go. Apparently, some some workers who were at the tractor plant had said that um, when when the tractor plant was on strike, they were collecting their pay or the strike pay. Um, at the Langdon Community Centre and then retire to the Langdon Hotel, which is just just uh, right right next to it. Um, also, in in the fifties, apparently the hotel's forecourt was used for various um, charity events or events, and the mobile PDSA van would park there. Um, so it was like a vet, like a mobile vet that people used to park park up outside. And as I said before, the Eastern National um, coaches coach trips used to start from there. Um, apparently, um, <laughs> apparently, um, 
people used to get up and take it in turns to sing a sing a song. And 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 at that particular time in the late sixties, apparently there there was a night where seven people got up and sung "Please Release Me" by Engelbert Humberdinck. Um, so there we go. <laughs> That's another little thing. Um, many, many people in there. Yeah, somebody else had remembered Charlie, the piano player, um, and brought that. And somebody else had said that Mel and Kim. And also, um, somebody had got a, a bit mixed up and said that Tony Blackburn had done something. But I think that may have been a festival hall in Basildon, which, is, again, is a, another great venue and one that I'll probably um, do something on. Um, if not this week, then over the next couple of weeks, because the Festival Hall in Basildon was a massive, massive, great, you know, venue and, and had so many acts there. And I remember the darts being on as well. Like, you know, I would have been about 12 and and I remember turning on ITV and they were live from the Festival Hall in Basildon. I think it's only 10 minutes away from here. You know, we could go, um, but we didn't. But um, it was, uh, as I said last week, Langdon Hotel, if you know anything about any more about that, you can fill me in on any more. Of course, I'll be always happy to learn a little bit more about this one. I know it was built in 1896, closed in 1980. Apparently, it was demolished in 1991. I seem to remember it being there a bit longer than that. Um, but apparently, it was used during the carnival in the 50s. And, and again, somebody else has said about the PDSA van. I, I, thought, I like the idea of that. You know, that... that um, that you would have like a mobile vet. People could take their take their uh, animals for, to a mobile vet. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and apparently as well, there's um, rumours, and I don't know how true it is again, that there was a gentleman called Billy Foyle when he had a lion called King. Um, and and by all accounts, there are a few clips on YouTube of, of Billy and, his, and, and the lion. Um, again, I'm just trying to learn a little bit more about that. Um, and... Uh, I'd be really, really curious to know a bit more about that. I know that uh, there was a, a landlord called Bob Richards in the 60s who had two Alsatians. Um, I know that Jack Holman was the governor um, probably way, way back. And the Landon Hotel had only a few rooms available for guests. Um, concerts were held there and they, and they became locally as Sod's Operas. Um, and a room, the, the, the function room they had there held about 80 people. They had Freemasons um, meetings. And, uh, yeah, apparently they used to have big, big meetings around a big table. And um, there were Mr. Bassett, who had a hardware shop, and uh, Mr. Toomey, I'm assuming um, Mr. Toomey Sr., would have been um, there meeting. So that it was used for things like that. But I know this is a music um, podcast, but technically it's, it's a bit of a history one as well. And if you remember any of these people, because, you see, a venue like that would thrive with people. Where there's people, there's usually music. And where there's a piano... There's certainly music, and even if it's just somebody getting up at, at the weekend and playing a few songs, um, you know, things like that. So it's um, always worth researching these things because I always get curious about stuff. See, people people lived before us. They had way before technology, and I suppose if your idea of having fun is smashing a piano up at Easter, and I, I can imagine that's pretty loud, um, then there you are. But... Um, yeah, Langdon Hotel, I, again, I never played it, but there were rumours of people who did play it, and the usual suspects had played it. And if anybody else has any rumours or any stories that they want to swap uh, about the Langdon Hotel, I'd be more than happy to hear them and, and give them a mention. But uh, I think for now, we'll just put that to bed until I find out a little bit more. But um, that's the Langdon Hotel, um, and long may it rest in peace. It's now a KFC, so... Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that, but I guess uh, these places can't last forever, can they? Yeah. <laughs> 
Innovation Studios, hoodies, many colours and sizes available. Our logo proudly emblazoned on the front. The back can be personalised with your name or your nickname, or anything you want as long as it isn't too shocking. Click to order online www.innovationstudios.com. Okay, here's the big one. The Grand Hotel in Lee. Um, basically, so many people uh, got onto me about this. Um, so I, f- I think I'll start by playing and just swapping a few stories. As I say, there's never really a format with my podcast, as I'm sure you probably know by now. Um, I just go on the correspondence that you that you give me. But uh, Georgina says that um, she met her husband at uh, the Grand um, and uh, the Modes were playing upstairs and they were from Durham. Um, so, uh, you know, if anybody knows of the modes, then please let me know. Um, Judge Dredd had played there with uh, Elvis da Costa and the Imposters, uh, Jippy Mayo, who was the Dr. Feelgood guitarist, um, and Dean Kennedy, who apparently was also Dr. Feelgood. But I've got to say, looking through um, from my, 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 my memory, I can't, I can't place Dean Kennedy in, in the Dr. Feelgood lineup. Um, but it may have been sort of uh, early 80s or something, because I know Phil Mitchell's been the bass player since about 1985, um, maybe maybe a bit before, 82 or 83. So, and then before that, it was, um, was it Sparko? John, was it John B. Sparks or was he the drummer? Um, but I'm pretty sure that, uh, I, I don't remember the, the name Dean Kennedy doesn't ring a bell. I'm sorry, Dean, if you're listening in. And, and, and I, look, I'm probably totally wrong. It's just, um, I, I, I don't remember that particular lineup but I'm sure I, I don't dispute it for a second um, the Groundhogs had played at the Grand Hotel uh, the Hamsters did a Hendrix night now the, the, the Hamsters um, Jimi Hendrix nights were legendary and um, they, they the Hamsters I consider to be the ultimate grassroots band because when they first started Slim and the boys would be sending sit up probably half the night sending out gig lists and, and addressing envelopes way before internet, way before emails and all that. And people would come to their gigs and they, they used to have a book that they, people used to write their addresses in and then they'd send out an updated gig list. And the Hamsters kind of built up a following without the aid of a record company, without sponsorship, and, and I consider them to be the ultimate uh, grassroots band. Although, of course, they had a record deal and they did sell some albums, they were still the same approachable kind of blokes and you, you would see them at the grassroots venues. I mean, as far as I'm aware, I know they did the Cliffs um, and the Palace Theatre and lots of, of Butlins and and some great venues as well. But they they kind of built themselves up by being the, you know, the blokes in the pub that played solid music. And, and the Hamsters are one of the greatest bands I ever saw live. Um, and I remember their crowning glory was probably, I think it was, it was either Britney Spears... Or it was uh, Gwen Stefani or somebody like that, and one of their backing band on on BBC, and it, I think it was on um, Jonathan Ross, had a Hamsters T-shirt on. So that they always considered that was a really uh, solid thing. And as a matter of fact, I, I know last week I did I did a thing on Burglar Bill. I think next week or the week after I may do something on the Hamsters. Um, and it would be great to get an interview with uh, Slim, Barry, but um, if I can't, then I'm going to do a feature on them anyway because they are uh, total legends of, of uh, you know, of, of our scene. Um, Andrew says, um, the op- saw the operators in the early 90s. 
Um, and uh, Jeff Chapman said he played there a few times with the Chicago Bearcats, or was that Bearcats? Bearcats. Um, Larry Brennan said he played there in about 82. Um, somebody else reminded me that Ronnie Wood had um, played there. Nicola said she saw an indie band called Starfish. Um, and apparently there was a sound guy called Def Shepherd. And uh, <laughs> apparently it's because he was deaf in one ear and his surname was Shepherd. So he was known he was known as Def Shepherd, which I've got to say, that's that's brilliant. Martin said I did a Scar night upstairs back in the 80s with Scar Trev. Um, and he also says he saw the crazy world of Arthur Brown. Um, Alison said she saw Generation X there. Uh, and she said she touched Billy Idol, but I'm assuming she shook his hand. I don't want to go there, uh, Alison. Um, Nick says he saw Man there. So did I. I was there that night uh, when Man played there, although they probably played there more than once. Um, Boz Boora played there, um, post Polecats and pre Morrissey. Um, so um, he was there. Lee Brillo was a regular there, sitting and um, in in the back piano bar. And uh, I have a friend of mine who did meet him, and uh, shook his hand. And uh, mate of mine, John Wagstaff, um, is, is the massive, a huge fan of Doctor Feelgood. There's a great story about John when he was trying to. I was working on, on with him, learning some bass lines, and he wanted to learn Feelgood stuff. And um, he went to what used to be Honky Tonk Music in South End, which is another place that I'll probably uh, do a little thing on because that's a legendary shop. Um, and uh, tried to get some information, see if he could buy any books or any tab books on, on the um, Dr. Feelgood stuff and couldn't get any. But the, the guy who ran it said, give us your number and we'll we'll see if we can, uh, if anything comes in, we'll let you know. And then he got a phone call about probably two or three weeks later. And said, you know, it's, uh, I understand you were trying to learn some Dr. Feelgood stuff. He said, yeah. He said, well, I'm Phil Mitchell from Dr. Feelgood. Would you like me to go through the bass lines with you? Which, And, and there it is, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. There it is. You know, that's the, the accessibility of the grassroots musician. Um, I met Phil a few times. Uh, total, total gentleman. He knows who he is. He knows what he does. And um, I... Yeah, I found him to be totally approachable, as Lee Brillo apparently was, as uh, all of Dr. Feelgood apparently all, all, all are or all have been over the years. Um, and uh, I went to the Lee Brillo memorial shows, which I used to hold at the Oyster Fleet in Canvey. Um, I think I went probably 10 years ago now. But uh, that night it was the, the gangsters were there um, and uh, Lou Lewis did a set and um, Wilco did a set. Um, and, um, of course, Dr. Feelgood closed the show and Eddie of the, Eddie and the Hot Rods played a set and it was just a brilliant, brilliant night of, of music. Uh, I'm sure it, I'm saying it's the gangsters. It may not have been the gangsters. I'm, I wish I could remember the name of the, the band that played it. Um, if, if it comes to me, I will try and, uh, I will try and think of it, but it was something like that. Um, but they were really, really great and sounded great. Uh, and they had lots of different guests as well. Dave Bronze got up and played a bit, and uh, John B. Sparks got up and played a bit, and a lot of ex-members of, of, of Dr. Feelgood would get up and play some stuff. Um, so uh, Gordon and, um, you know, and, and, of course, Dr. Feelgood, Steve Walwyn, who I consider to be... He's not in Dr. Feelgood um, for the foreseeable future, Steve, but um, one of the finest guitar players um, I ever saw live fantastic sound great guitar player great feel great touch um and whatever he's doing now um of course you know i'm sure most of the 
grassroots fraternity wish him all the best but um yeah these these guys are approachable and uh, for my for my friend john to actually sit and and go, be taken through the bass lines by the bass player from dr Philgood, phil um he he was uh yeah he, he he was just absolutely full of it when i saw him that night um and i, I was a little bit envious but you know, as I said in week one, if you make these people your heroes, not only will you learn more, but you might get to meet them. And if you get to meet them, then you might end up working with them. And, you know, sometimes it's nice to aim really high, but it's nice to kind of aim um, realistically as well. Um, okay, so some other bands that have played, Anorexic Dreads. They, <laughs> they played um, way, way back, Anorexic Dreads. Um Short Round, who uh, a friend of mine, Nick Swallow, was in Short Round, uh, and uh, he was in Wall to Wall with 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 us um, for a good few years. And Nick's a great guy; was my best man, and uh, loved Nick to pieces. And Short Round had said, um, "I'm not I'm not really sure that I should necessarily put that out on here, but I'm going to do it." They said they played there with, with a few bands, and they and they remember that they plug into an extension lead in the kitchen. To avoid the sound limiter. Now I'm allowed to say that pre- really because um, the Grand Hotel isn't there anymore in that capacity. But um, yes, that is something you, you get these venues where they have the sound limiters, and every so often, unofficially, you didn't hear it here. Um, of course, you plug in in the kitchen because they can't cut the power to the fridges and the freezers, um, and then you can be as loud as you want, and that thing will flash all night. But it's more important, people, to be respectful and to make sure that there are neighbours and you need to keep the sound down, keep the noise down. Um, but, uh, yes, they mentioned that they could do that. Uh, Russ said he was in the band The Honky Tinkers that played there in the late 80s, along with The Hamsters, who we mentioned, The Bottles and The Famous Potatoes. Um, apparently, collectively, the big group were the Grand Rotary Club. So if anybody remembers them, of course, people are going to remember the hamsters. But the famous potatoes, the bottles and the honky tinkers played there. Um, the business have played there. Johnny Hazel time um, and uh, Jeff had played there. Um, Dave Hatfield apparently was um, one of the promoters. Um, and um, a guy called Rob said he played there with Doya, D-O-O-Y-A-H. Um, Steve and Jackie Shepard on the PA. So Steve... Yeah, Def, Def Shepherd. <laughs> I have a feeling that I that I do know who he is, but I didn't. I knew him as Steve. I didn't know him as Def, but I think that's brilliant. Uh, Billy Childish played there, um, and apparently there were. There's another band called Southside. I think I seem to remember that Southside were a soul band, but I'm probably wrong. Um, but uh, let me know about that. Uh, Flaco Fl- Flaco Jimenez. Um, apparently used to play there now and again. I don't know. Uh, I've got to be honest, I'm ignorant there. Um, but as I said, the business, um, back then it was Graham Turner on sax, Michael Steed uh, was on bass, Johnny Hazeltine was vocals, uh, John Rowley or Rowley, Chris Norfan on drums used to play in, in the business. Um, Susie Quattro's husband used to play piano in the back bar. Um, again, not not sure if that's... Uh, substantiated, but look, I'm not going to call anybody a liar. Um, Travis said his uncle played there um, with the the Sinix, S-I-N-Y-X, Allegiance to No One and the Cat Jugglers. Um, yeah, they played there. 
um, Simon Gentry played there a few times. Um, said he saw the Hamsters as a 15-year-old. Uh, John Otway, of course, has played there. John Otway played there many times. Um, and um, there was a local band called Reborn had uh, played played there a few a few times. Um, so some of the bands that have played there, um, the Dalmatians, uh, Chronic Town, Tomorrow's Gone, Angel Suicide, Reborn, The Proteins, uh, The Joy Vibes, Kilburn and the High Roads, The Honky Tinkers, as I mentioned, The Last Laugh, Honey Child, Changes to Bowie, which obviously was a tribute, Frantic Teabag, brilliant, The Swamp Band, The Al Morocco Five, The AM Five, The Grandies, The Jumping uh, Stingrays, The Cursal Flyers, Street Legal, The Red Lemon Electric Blues Band, Eddie Vincent, um, Al Morocco Five, uh, Cursal Flyers with Al Bai sitting in, so I'm not sure what Al Bai was there for. The Convicted uh, Operators, Biff Ban Powell, um, who I believe is a friend of mine, Darren Woodford, but I could be wrong. Uh, Burning Idols, Anorexic Dread, Dancer Dancer Dance, uh, Steve Hooker, Street Legal have played there. Um, the Refugees, yes, I remember the, I remember the Refugees. Uh, the Dukes had played there, J-U-K-E-S. Um, Alison Moyer played there with Screaming Abdabs. Um, Tony McPhee's Groundhogs had played there. Phil Burdett has played there many, many times. I'd love to have an interview with Phil um, at some point. Um, and Ronnie Wood played there. Um, his, his daughter's band were actually there, and it was in 2004. And those who remembered him said he spent most of the time downstairs watching the football and then came up to do an encore with them. So, um, yeah, hopefully that will um, help you with a few a few memories of some of the bands that played there. Um, some of the other bands that play are The Invisible Enemy. They were there. Um, I'm just trying to think, look at the, trying to find out when they were. The Invisible Enemy were there. Leyline, Columbo played there. The HTs, Guilt, G-I-L-T, Mother's Little Helpers, Tomorrow's Gone, Elastic, they played there. Um, Sid Griffin, uh, Pink Fairies, David Allen, David Allen, and they used to have alternative, Indian alternative nights on Wednesday nights as well, where they would play that music. Um, the Grand Hotel, just there's a few, old, a few pictures, Ronnie Wood, Zebedee, Played there, Mainstream, Charlie's Aunt. Yeah, I've seen Charlie's Aunt a few times. Mud Slappers, Bullet Chain, Sugar Ocean, Prayer, The Shopkeeper Appeared, uh, The Receders, um, oh, Thing Fish, Bedazzled, Cold Gin, Jealousy and the Invisible Enemy, Teddy Bears Asylum, No Entry, uh, Garp, Chronic Town. Um, oh, goodness me. So, so many people were coming forwards with information of on, on the Grand, and I think it would take forever to name the bands that played there. Color Kinesis have played there because that was a band that uh, my brother had. Water Wall, I think, have played there, um, and I've been there so many times. And um, I, as I said last week, I'm not sure exactly what's going on. They were they were trying to. Um, I, I know that Mick Norcross owns it, for, who also owns a Sugar Hut, and, uh, and they were trying to turn it into a sort of a theme bar, but. Um, I couldn't really find an awful lot of information on um, what's happening at the moment because it seems to have gone a bit quiet. And, and to be fair, it doesn't, you know, if, if I'm honest about that, um, I don't think it really matters now. If it's not a music venue and the bands are not playing there, then I don't care, really. It's not relevant to it's not relevant to this podcast. But um, of course, I wish them all the best with whatever they do with it. 
Um, it's just a shame if it's, you know, that, that it's not a music venue anymore because it's a legendary music venue. Innovation Studios has all the tools you would need to bring your music to life. Get in touch to book a free consultation. This is our opportunity to chat about your music, listen to demos, and if you're unsure, find which pricing would fit you best. There are no hidden costs. Once a booking is made and price agreed, there are no further hidden charges. Our team at Innovation Studios are professional musicians, and we know that sometimes a recording may run into an extra hour or an extra day. Your original price will stand. Guidance that will help you make a great-sounding album at an affordable price. www.innovationstudios.com One I didn't get an awful lot of information on um, last week was the Dickens in Wickford. Um, just, I mean, again, a legendary venue, but a lot of the people who got on to me were really swapping memories of when it was Fraser's or swapping memories of when it was a nightclub called Severe. I think it was Severe's was the nightclub. Um, but I didn't get as, as much correspondence as I would have liked. I had a few people who said they'd played there, but I've, I've already mentioned most of them. Uh, Steve Hooker, the, you know, um, the Hamsters had played it, and uh, the Gentry, I think, had played it years and years ago. Um, but most of the bands that had played there were kind of local local bands like Charlie's Aunt, um, local bands like, um, well, Walter Wall had played it many, many, many times, but uh, more, more so when it was Frasier's. Um, but uh, yeah, the Dickens was, um, I suppose really, most of the people would have jumped on uh, the Grand as it was such a legendary venue. It's, it's a bit like, you know, doing Riga or something like that, which will be coming along very, very soon. Um, so if, if I have any bit information, I'll sort of let that roll over into next week. The other thing that's worth mentioning is that the barge apparently now has been, um, they've had the okay to turn it into the... Um, into the uh, I would be showing my ignorance if I knew exactly what it was called but um, uh, some sort of uh, Muslim religious um, center which I do know exactly what it was but um, just off the top of my head I can't remember what the what the name of it was um, so it looks like the okay so you know if, if you haven't seen the barge in person um, which has been there stood there for sort of 250 years um, maybe over the next few months take one last look at it before they start um, demolishing it which look you know I, I've, I've got no problem with that things move on time moves on and um, these places don't hang around forever but um, it's always sad when you lose a when you lose a music venue of any description um, and uh, although the barge wasn't a hotbed um, of music it was a legendary place where regular entertainment on Friday nights just solo performers um, and and also um, just karaoke nights and, you know, I'm sure they had charity nights and things in that. But it's really just a legendary place that a lot of people would have played. So let's move on. Um, as I said, there were going to be two or three that I looked at to share your memories of this week. Uh, and we'll start with the Square in Harlow. So the Square in Harlow, um, which uh, at the moment is still there, but they don't really know what to do with it. It was a, it was a 250 seat or 250 uh, capacity live music venue in Harlow. Square One Entertainment uh, took over the venue in 2008, um, and the Square opened on, uh, having closed in 2015, the Square opened on Friday the 10th of June, 
2016 before closing again in early 2017. It was run by Essex County Council and uh, before 2008, and then their funding was withdrawn and the venue was closed after 35 years. But the square was one of the starting places for bands or artists like Enter Shikari, George Ezra, The Subways, um, and then local Harlow bands, Collapse Lung, A Morning Parade, Corner Shop um, also had played there and named the venue as the the venue that got them uh, signed. So that that's that. But I happen to know that, um, of course, the Hamsters have played it. But uh, I know Glenn Tilbrook has played it um, with Squeeze. Um, or or from Squeeze, I should say, um, which means that probably Chris Difford would have played it. But uh, there were bands that played there. Eden played there. Uh, it was a friend of mine um, years ago. Um, Calakinesis played there. And then you've got, uh, I know that uh, Steve Harris from Iron Maiden, he has a band called, I think it's White Lion. Um, I'm showing my ignorance a bit there because I have got the album, but I can't think what it is. But I know he's performed there. He, he loved, you know, as a grassroots uh, venue. Um, and there are some serious, serious legends that have played at the Square in Harlow. So that's going to be a big one um, for next week. But I don't just want to focus um, on the big ones. I want to focus on some of the smaller ones as well. As I said the other week, I wanted to do something. Um, so maybe the Square Harlow will be one of them for next week. I think uh, possibly the Belvedere, um, which was more sort of Billericay stroke Wickford, might be a good one because I know the Dreamers played there. I know that there were regular people that played in there um, and it, regular entertainment and Ian Drury was the owner of it for a while and they had various talent nights in there they had um, a, a band uh, Fat Eddie was the uh, you know I think this, this was years ago you're not allowed to say it now you have to say something like um, oh, I don't know what you'd call it now um, whatever it is you can't call somebody Fat Eddie but that's how everybody knew him all right and my mate Ken um, and uh, his his partner at the time uh, in in the duo Peter were part of the regular band there, and I didn't realise I'd seen them perform a fair few times before I started working with Ken. But uh, they used to do be the live band again. Not many backing tracks around, sort of 25, 30 years ago. So I think the Belvedere might be a good one to do. And uh, and as I mentioned earlier, we'll do a little piece on the fortune of war. So I think maybe we'll make that the three for next week so you've got the fortune of war um the belvedere and the square in harlow now i expect the square in harlow to be a really really big one um uh, similar to the grand this this week but also carry on um sending me your your stories and your um you know your your sharing your memories um before i leave you let's get to some emails of uh, people who messaged me about some other venues now this, this could be any sort of most levels. I, I hope that this podcast will probably go branching out um, across the UK. I'm hoping I'm starting with Essex because that's what I kind of know about. But um, having toured the UK a few times, there are some other venues that uh, I, I used to play or I have played or I know of um, that are no longer there. So let's have a look at a few of those. Um, first of all, uh, the Roadhouse in Manchester, um, which was a, which was uh, opened in 1993. Um, and apparently Elbow played it and Coldplay and Muse and the Cortinas played, played it and it closed its doors uh, on the 1st of June 2015. There's now a restaurant. Um, I never played the Roadhouse in Manchester, but um, it was in, apparently it was in Newton Street. So if anybody um, knows of that and can swap their stories of that, because I want to eventually branch out and take this uh, a bit further than, um, 
you know, than than grass. Well, I say a bit further than grassroots, but a bit further than Essex. I'd like to um, research some of the legendary venues across the UK that uh, that championed grassroots music. And remember, a lot of these bands that are getting mentioned were grassroots bands and kind of worked their way up. This is one of the things about uh, my interview with Andy next week. Is you'll be talk- I'll be chatting to somebody who's played pubs and stuff like that, and eventually got bigger shows and. And a lot of these pubs and venues, you know, like, uh, for instance, here's a big one. The Marquee Club in London is no longer there. Um, and it's been closed since 2012. And yet everybody's played the Marquee um, on the way up. Maybe some of them on the way down. I don't know. Um, but uh, the Marquee Club was, although it wasn't one particular venue, I don't think I could necessarily um, go and perform a song up there and I don't think I necessarily deserve to most of the places that played the mar- bands that played the marquee were legendary but um, it was in o- Oxford Street and then Wardour Street and then Leicester Square um, but legendary venue the marquee club um, so no- nobody actually asked me if I'd ever played it because <laughs> I think people from from what they've heard realise I wasn't quite in that league although I was good um, the Hacienda in Manchester so um, that was also mentioned um, in Janice's email, that where she she mentioned the um, road ha- roadhouse in Manchester, but Janice also said about the hacienda or, or the hacienda or whatever you want to call it in Manchester. Um, apparently, that was um, uh, it, it was it was either run by the band New Order, or it was like a percentage of the record sales kept it um, kept it going. But uh, apparently, something to do with Tony Wilson. It was either ran run by New Order, um, and everybody had played there. Um, in and and the big big Manchester music scene, um, but um, yeah, so that was that was another one. Um, Hammersmith Palais, well, I mean these are these are venues. The Boardwalk in Sheffield, um, the Boardwalk in Sheffield was um originally called the Black Swan, uh, and the Clash played there, and the Sex Pistols played there, and it was known locally as the Mucky Duck, um. But it uh, apparently the boardwalk in Sheffield, um, former barman, um, named the first Arctic Monkeys demos beneath the boardwalk. So um, something to do with um, either he either found the the early Arctic Monkeys, um, or he had renamed them, uh, renamed the album. Um, beneath the boardwalk, and people wanted to find out what it was. But the boardwalk was was a very, very sort of uh, on the corner um, of Bank Street and Snig Hill in Sheffield. And uh, yeah, it was just originally called the Black Swan, which is a jazz drinking hole in, when it opened in the 30s. Um, and, as, and the Sex Pistols had played it in 1976. Um, so if anybody remembers that, but it was it was made legendary when the Arctic Monkeys. Um, demos album was, was named beneath the boardwalk and people uh, kind of researched that that's the great thing about this the family tree of things like that um hamish said about the arches in glasgow that was underneath a central station um biffy clyro played at the cooks um franz ferdinand closed in 2015 um also um a friend of mine asked me to remind uh, or asked me to remember a venue called the Tunnels in Bristol, which is no longer there. And, and although I'm mentioning, and I've, I've gone across and mentioned a lot of the ones that we played in Essex, the Tunnels in Bristol 
um, was one of the best venues that we did, and it was run by Gareth Chilcott, the ex, ex uh, international rugby English, English rugby player, um, and that was a fabulous, fabulous uh, venue. The cockpit in Leeds, yes, Calacanisis played the cockpit in Leeds, um, and uh, the White Stripes had played it, the Killers had played it, Kaiser Chiefs apparently uh, met there when they were called Parva. Um, and the venue venue closed in 2014 due to structural problems. Well, I played there. Well, I didn't play there. I was. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna call myself tour manager on the Calicanesis first um, UK tour in 2004. And uh, the cockpit in Leeds. Yeah, when when we played it, um, the Scissor Sisters had an after show party. So we had they had like a, a showcase that we played, and then the Scissor Sisters uh, played that afterwards. Um, or, or at least came to the after-show party. Um, there was a venue called the Picture House in Edinburgh, but uh, I don't know whether that's grassroots. Looks like a bigger, looks like a bigger venue. Um, of places like the Rainbow Theatre in London. I mean, oh, the Borderline. Yeah, the Borderline. Now there's a grassroots venue. Um, I didn't realise it wasn't there anymore um, when I've been uh, when I've been looking through. Um, but a friend of mine, Shane. He said, it's not there anymore, mate. He said, it's because uh, I was going to, you know, I, I thought, well, I won't mention the borderline because um, it's still there. But um, it closed its doors on the 31st of August 2019. So, um, you know, you never know with something like that. I mean, it might have closed in August. They might have had plans to open it 2020 and didn't get round to it. Round to it. But um, but apparently it was... Um, it, it was part of the restaurant break for the border and it was just a tiny basement club. I've been there many times. I saw the Supernaturals there. I've seen um, oh, some of the real, real legendary um, indie bands there. Um, R.E.M. had played there in 1991 as a secret gig. Um, but yeah, the borderline in London. So that's another one that's uh, I consider that grassroots probably only holds about 200 people. Um, but everybody had played it just you know, basically from where it is. So that's a that's a good one there. Um, let's have a little think here. Uh, Johnny says the powerhouse in Finsbury Park, uh, spelt P-O-W-E-R-H-A-U-S, um, apparently was basically everybody played at the powerhouse on the way up. It was originally a mid-19th century pub called the Clarence Tavern and then was called the Sir George Roby, who was a famous musical comedian. But it was a local pub of Johnny Rotten, and, and bands like Fairport Convention had played there, um, and apparently it's um, it's visited. It, it appears in the in the film Train Spotting. It was called the Powerhouse, and not to be confused with the Powerhouse in Basildon. All right, um, the Mean Fiddler took it over, and then you would have bands like Blur and stuff like that. But originally, it was a very very well known. Um, I'm going to say grassroots music venue. People are finding it on the way up. Um, the Twelve Bar Club in Holloway. These a lot of these are in London. Um, the Bull and Gate in Camden, which um, legendary, legendary place, um, but um, closed in 2014. But they'd had Nirvana, Coldplay, Blur had all played it, um, and uh, also the Camden Fal- Falcon. There was there were a few places like that. Um, there there were um, so many um, venues in uh, in uh, Dalston as well. Um, which was, uh, I think, Power Lunches, it's, it says here, but uh, I don't I don't know. Um, the Ruskin Arms, which, uh, again, I'd played. And the Ruskin is another one that I'd like to do a research on. 
Um, and I'm hoping to just branch out. I, I've, I've sort of, um, I've still got so much of Essex to do and so much of Kent to do and so much of Sussex to do and, uh, you know, um, goodness me, Suffolk, so many venues. Um, and of course, you know, the obvious places, some of the, some of the holiday parks that are no longer there, used to, some of the bands that were playing sort of 30 or 40 years ago and were entertaining back, back then, used to have maybe 18 or 20 different Butlins venues, and now you've got three. Um, so all of, the, all of the bands that would have appeared at Filey and all of the bands that would have appeared at Pueli and would have appeared at, um, oh, good, all, of, all of the Butlins one. I'm trying to think that Air up in Scotland. So these, this is what I'm trying to do. The Greyhound in Fulham, and that's had a mention. Um, and it, apparently it closed in 1990, I didn't realise, but it was originally a traditional Irish and folk venue and became a rock venue in the 70s. Um, and uh, in Billy Idol's um, punk rock band Generation X one of their songs they actually mention the Greyhound in Fulham but the Greyhound in Fulham came up as a venue that Iron Maiden had played as well um, and I mentioned that on week one it was one I wanted to look at so um, that's always worth a, a little look there um, let's have a little look Borderline um, Borderline's another one here um, which, uh, again, was a, a legendary venue. Everybody's played the Borderline. But the great thing about the Borderline is that you would have Amy Winehouse, R.E.M., Debbie Harry, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you just have uh, a band who are on the way up, maybe maybe about to release their first album, because it only held about 200 people. You know, And I've been there a few times. And the Borderline is a legendary venue. Um, and just absolutely you know, legendary venues. And there are so many. Um, the cartoon in Croydon, which was um, which was really a, a, an epicenter of, of rock and R&B. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was the cartoon. And then eventually it opened as the club. Um, there's also a few other ones as well that I remember playing just off the top of my head. Um, I think it's Jake and Elwood's Bar. Um, I've played Jake and Elwood's Bar a few times, which was a really great restaurant. Um, and also, um, one of the other ones I want to look at is the Royal Festival Hall, or, the, or not the Royal Festival Hall. <laughs> it's the Festival Hall in Basildon. Um, let's have a quick look at that before I leave you. So the Festival Hall is now where the uh, Festival Leisure Park is. Um, and it was at Pips Hill. And it opened in 1982 and it closed in 1996. I know it hosted the uh, fight between Terry Marsh um, and I think it's Jose Luis Manley. It was a world title fight in about 85, 86. They had a huge, great marquee set up, a huge, great tent at the festival um, or the festival hall in Basildon. Um, it was demolished in 1996 to make way for the Festival Leisure Park. But looking at some of the bands that had played there, um, on the 13th of September 1993, Howard Jones had played there. 1986, the new Mamas and Papas. Um, in 1986, on the 22nd of uh, November, uh, Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. Um, 20, 20, yeah, also uh, 1986, Gary U.S. Bonds um, had played there. And it was a legendary venue for, um, for up-and-coming bands or bands that would come down. I'm sure most of the local bands would have played it. And most of the, as I said, there were various sporting events that took place there and various things that took place at the festival hall. Um, and it was a real shame to see it um, to see it go because um, I just think it was 
for me, it was like this this huge place, and and I and I had a few f- sort of football presentations and stuff like that, um, where I, I managed to get up on the stage. Um, but I think I probably spent most of the night with my mates cr- crawling out of there, and um, going and nicking a few a uh, few golf balls off of the driving range that used to be there. But um, yeah, a few other bands that played the festival: all the Fatback Band, uh, the Real Thing. Um, apparently, and, and Tim Witherspoon's training camp was there in 1985 or six, um, when uh, he fought Bruno in in London. Frank Bruno. Uh, so Tim Witherspoon was training there, and uh, a lot of his um, entourage were found at uh, what they called the Fat Sam's Grand Slam Bar next to the hotel, which uh, I kind of remember. I kind of remember that one. They used to have Radio One disco parties at the venue. Um, and um, also Yazoo were there in 1981. And uh, when I said earlier about Tony Blackburn's Soul Nights, that's where they were. They were at the Festival um, Leisure or, or the Festival Hall. Bucks Fizz played there. Edwin Starr played there. Um, yeah, Steve Walsh. Hot Chocolate played there. The Passion Mode played there. Um, and uh, and then Erasure, play, apparently Erasure played over Gloucester Park, but I, I don't know about that. Shack Attack had played at the Festival Hall. Um, and uh, also, yeah, Fat Larry's band there. So the Zoom, Fat Larry's band. Um, and um, yeah, so, so maybe we'll learn a little bit more about the Festival Hall. So that's your homework, uh, people. Have a little look um, and share your memories. Remember the Dickens from last week. Uh, but uh, for next week, let's have a little look at the Festival Hall, Basildon Festival Hall. Let's have a look at uh, maybe the Fortuna War. Let's have a look at the Belvedere. And let's have a look at the Square in Harlow. So a couple of real big ones for the next couple of weeks. And then also, of course, there are other venues that I mentioned there, the Greyhound in Fulham. Share your memories of that. And keep keep you know reminding me of these venues that are not there anymore. Um, because they are so legendary and they've, they've played such a huge part in uh, in our in our history and what came before us. So anyway, look, hopefully next week I'll be here with Andy from the Pinkies and he's got uh, an exclusive for everybody, which I'm really looking forward to. So you take very, very good care. I'm out of here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being me, mate. Um, I will speak to you all soon. Don't forget www.innovationstudios.com. You can email me on innovationstudiosuk at gmail. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on um, Skype. You can find me on Facebook. Um, And, yeah, thanks for subscribing and thanks for all your emails. I've really enjoyed this project and uh, may it continue for a good few weeks. I'll see you next Friday, all right? Uh, Yours in Music signing off. Bye-bye for now.